what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. Over across from me is Chris. Hello. Chris, how's it going? It's going well. Good. Ready to talk some movies? Absolutely. Well, what we've got today is on our show, we will be doing two reviews the uh, film Love and Mercy, which is the biopic about Beach Boys leader Brian Wilson. We will have the film The Guest, starring a Mr. Dan, I'm already forgetting his last name. What is his last name? Dan Stevens. Stevens. As a mysterious guest showing up to visit a, uh, a, co- a former a, a partner soldier of his house's family. Uh, yeah, I just really confused you with that description, so don't <laughs> worry, we'll explain it later. Then we also have some movie news we're going to go through. Chris and I have a few news items each. We'll talk about things happening in either production or working on or things happening in the movie industry. And then we close out the show, as always, with our recommendation, a show or movie that we think you ought to check out either online, Netflix, iTunes, somewhere else that you may have missed or may not be aware of, or we just want to bring back to your attention from the past that we've caught up with recently. So, Chris, we have a lot to cover, as always. Always a good jam-packed show we like to give our audience a lot of bang for their buck here. Your hard-earned money that you spent buying a computer or some phone to be able to listen to podcasts. We want to make sure. We want to make it pay off. We want to make it pay off and get full value for it. So let's get right into it if that's okay with you. Absolutely. First thing we're going to do is have a review of the film starring Mr. John Cusack and Paul Dano. It is the biopic about Beach Boys leader Brian Wilson. It's called Love and Mercy. We've all grew up in California. The brothers here, Dennis, Brian, and Carl. We've played with everyone. Sinatra, Elvis, you. Blown our minds. Continue to see him. You should know. Brian is a very, very sick man. I didn't tell you that. I didn't want to scare you away. The talking in your head, that's part of the song? Jesus Christ. Part of the music. I may not. I need you to report to me your thoughts, your feelings. His thoughts, his feelings. I'm giving you unprecedented access. He's my legal guardian. He's protecting me. He's over-medicating you. Chris, you and I have talked about biopics in many occasions. Yes. And I remember specifically a conversation we had about the film Walk the Line, Mm -hmm. the Johnny Cash biopic. I was not a big fan of as much because I just got so tired by that point. I think after the Ray... uh, the Ray Charles one mm-hmm. and after the Johnny Cash one, it was like these biopics, especially about musicians are just so traditional and so by the numbers. Let's show this point. Let's show this point. Let's follow this curve where they become successful. Oh my gosh, there's something traumatic happens and now they're back down at bottom and they got to rise back to the top by the end of the film. Got so tired of it. So with love and mercy, we have a unique biopic mainly because we have uh, the character of Brian Wilson played by two different actors at two different periods of time. We have the 60s Brian Wilson at the height of the Beach Boys popularity, played by Paul Dano, as they're leading into the recording of one of their most now infamous albums, although at the time it was not, Pet Sounds. Right. Then we have the 1980s Brian Wilson, played by John Cusack. This is after he had been going through uh, medical psychiatric treatment for many years, fallen out of the public's eye, mid-80s, 
as he starts a new relationship with uh, someone that will eventually become his wife. No spoilers there. That's pretty common knowledge. So with this biopic, Chris, the biggest thing I want to ask you is they tried something different by having two different actors play him at two different periods, and they did a lot of intercutting throughout the film of the two periods. So it was not a linear film by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And also because drugs played a big part in Brian Wilson's life, especially in the phase in the 60s, drugs, hallucinations, um, voices in the head played a lot of part in the making and production of this film too. By the filmmaker, who I was not familiar with at all, director-wise, who is uh, Bill Poland, Polad, Polad, did, did trying something creative with the biopic genre make this film work for you? I know you're a fan of the Beach Boys and a, film, a fan of Brian Wilson, so you may already be a little skewed towards it. But looking at it as a film, did this unique take on how to present a biopic make it a more interesting film for you? Or did it stand alone interesting, regardless, by subject matter? How did the production work for you? Sure. I, you know, this film, I, this is rare in that um, usually when we review films for, for the show, I've seen it once. Mm-hmm. I actually saw this movie twice. Welcome to my world. Um, so so <laughs> yeah. um, now I actually have a little bit firmer grasp on it. And usually that would mean I would know exactly how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I've actually, I, I do know a lot about the Beach Boys and I think... I know I knew too much. And so therefore I actually found this movie kind of distracting and the style mm. in which it was done distracting. Now I want to go on record. I do not think this is a bad movie. Okay. Um, I thought the performances by John Cusack and um, Paul Dano were good. Okay. But something about whether I, maybe just in the script, I felt like it wasn't doing satisfactory justice to either time period. Mm. Um, being such a fan of the album Pet Sounds and what immediately being actually more of a fan of the album that did or did not come after it, Smile, Smiley mm-hmm. Smile, I, wa- I, was, I wanted to know more about that. And basically, a lot of the, the what I did know, they kind of like, it was kind of like they were making a fanboy movie of that time period where they would put little nuggets in there. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I know what they're talking about. I know what they're referencing mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do mm-hmm. any explaining. True. I actually feel like if someone knew very little about the Beach Boys other than like, oh, yes, Brian Wilson is a Beach Boy, and they would go into this movie, I feel like they would hate this movie almost because they feel like they got nothing out of it. And the fact he gets a happy ending at the end because he gets he gets mm. you know somebody yeah. to marry him and they live happily ever after. But so I, I felt something about the construction of it was dissatisfying, and mm. I don't know you know the director. I think he's produced a lot of movies, but I think this is one of his maybe one of his first like directorial efforts. Right. And I wonder if the problem is in the direction or if it's in the script because it's not that I matter. It jumped around and kind of unique, like you were saying, in that we've come down on biopics before where they try to tell the person's entire mm-hmm. life. And this doesn't do that, but it doesn't do what we say that we like where it picks one segment and just focuses yeah. on one segment. Instead it bounces back and forth between two. And I thought it, you know, it, I don't know something about it. Just, it's not that it was mm-hmm. confusing as to where they were going when they would jump back and forth. Cause I was never confused, but just something about, I don't, I don't know. I felt like I needed a little bit more continuity or a little bit more, more structure. I don't know. What were your, what were your feelings on it? Um, I'm probably a little more positive than you, but I think we share some of the same concerns in that I thought this film was a really great collection of scenes. It was almost like a montage film. Mm. Great scenes, 
all stitched together, but there's a lot of gaps in between those scenes that were unsatisfying. I, that's a good way to say kind of my feelings. I felt like there was a lot of filler. There were some, great, yeah, great scenes, but then yeah. in the, between there was just some kind of... Well, I admire what they were doing, but I, I think I even said last night during our discussion after the film, I mean, to me, the format I would have loved to have seen with this was more of almost like a miniseries. Hmm. Give me one two-hour episode that focuses on that period in the 60s that they did in the film, which was a really fascinating time. Beach Boys are super popular. Brian Wilson starting to have more impact of his mental issues, and they're, he, they're trying to push for a really creative album. That I could have watched a two-hour movie about that. Agreed. I was really fascinated with the 80s, Brian Wilson. Here's a guy who's been under kind of false psychiatric care and over-medication for years starting to maybe rise a little bit out of that haze and meeting someone who can get him out of that. That's a powerful story. I could have watched a two hour movie about that story to try to cram both of those two really interesting points and connect them together. It was a noble effort, but I do think it had to make a lot of sacrifices to get it down to even it's two hour running time. And by doing that, you were skipping a lot. If you're interested, you were asking about if people who weren't fans of the Beach Boys watch this, they'd probably hate this. I don't think they would. I think what people who don't know the Beach Boys got out of this was, oh my gosh, I can't believe this really famous person that wrote these big songs had mental issues and got taken advantage of by this doctor for so many years. Thank God somebody met him and and stepped in and helped out. But if they were going in because they wanted to know more of the music production and process and the rise and fall of the Beach Boys and all that, it's very cursory at that. So I think people looking at it as more of a dramatic story probably got a lot out of it. People who look at it as I really want to know Brian Wilson and I want to know everything that was happening during these phases, they got a very cursory glance of it in many cases. So I loved many of the scenes in the film. I can rattle off three or four that I think are just great scenes I would love to watch again. But as a whole, was the movie really good? I liked it. I wanted more though. I, I, I felt like I felt wanting out after at the end, still wanting many, much, much more. Sure. Something that I thought was kind of a curious polarity as far as the movie was concerned was I thought John Cusack did a good job with his dialogue scenes. And those are the, my favorite things with him yeah. was specifically his conversations with Elizabeth Banks yeah. when he meets her for the first time. And they also have a conversation in a restaurant. Those are Both, the two best scenes in the film. I think yeah, those are well, those are the two best scenes for John Cusack. For, for the me. John Cusack project. Now, okay, sure. Let's talk about Mr. Dana, who I know mm-hmm. you're not the biggest fan of. I, uh, he, <laughs> I thought he was good in this. You know, I, I will give him a little credit for that. Anytime he had to deliver dialogue, I thought it didn't really work. It's something about maybe they were trying to make him awkward, or maybe that's Paul Dana's not a good actor. Whatever you want to say about that. <laughs> I take the I matter. Thought, <laughs> I thought a lot of that seemed kind of weird. Where Paul Dana, I thought, was awesome was in the scenes where he was in the booth and there was music going on. He was trying to control what was happening in Pet Sounds or just his motions or you could tell he was thinking. And like he did a perfect job of imitating Brian Wilson, looking like Brian Wilson and seeming to have the struggle of being somebody who's creative but can't get his music out there. Those Um, were the other scenes of the film. When I said there's like four or five scenes I think are really good. The other ones are the making of the music and how that was portrayed because you got some sense of maybe what was going through his head as he was hearing this music and he knew what sounds he wanted to get and he was trying to figure out ways to get it. He was really pushing the musicians to give him a certain sound that was very specific and precise, kind of irritating his band members by one. Another great scene is the uh, it's the uh, wouldn't it be nice, the little 
quieter interlude part of the song where there's some really unique instrumentation and he was having them go through that like 30 or 40 times right. to get it exactly right and the other band members are just kind of losing it at that point well one in particular one Mike particular, Love right. um, that was a really good scene I mean right. that that to me caught a perfect moment of probably what it was really like being in the recording studio with this guy right and from there being a fan of Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys you know, that's, those are the stories that you've always heard mm-hmm. was he was like the Stanley Kubrick of the recording studio. Yeah. It was like, okay, take 30, take 35. You know, he just mm-hmm. kept, you know, and I really liked that part, but somehow I didn't, it was almost the, I think the frustration was I wanted there to be a little, I wanted a little bit more story on the 60s side. Like I felt like it almost got cut off too it soon. Did. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like the 80s story started too late. I actually wanted a little bit of, how did Brian Wilson meet this dude? Mm. How did it all get set? There is a big gap in that late 60s to early 80s that we fill in a few details on the bookends, but there's a lot of big gaps. There's yeah. a lot of big question marks. Yeah, and so... How, yeah. did, how did Brian Wilson really truly kind of disassociate from the Beach Boys after a while? Because right. the, at the end of the 60s portion, the last time we see him... He's still in the Beach Boys. They have released Pet Sounds. Right. Then they just released Good Vibrations, and they were kind of like riding high again. And that's kind of where we leave him at that mm-hmm. point. You know, they're like talking after Good Vibrations about what are they going to do next. And that's where that's the last couple scenes we see of the 60s, Brian Wilson. Right. And you're right. When we pick up with the 80s one, he's under the care of this doctor. Uh, he's very ma- managed, controlled, over medicated. There's a lot of question marks. How did it get to that point? I think. Yeah, we have to give both you and I are giving this some credit in that it was experimental. It's more mm. experimental than I would have guessed a biopic yeah. about Brian. Well, I was actually kind of worried going in that it was basically my kids actually. Mm. <laughs> um, I'd offered, Hey, do you guys want to go see this? This is mm. PG 13. You know, yeah. it's about Brian Wilson. They know music of the beach sure. was like, Hey, do you want to go see this? <laughs> and I showed them the trailer to try to get them excited. Yeah. And both of my son's comment was like, eh, it just seems like a love story. Mm. And I was like, you know, I could actually kind of see it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the wife, soon-to-be wife, um, Elizabeth Banks plays the Melinda. Mm-hmm. Um, she swoops in and, like, saves Brian Wilson. It's like, oh, this mushy little But it wasn't that at all. So I was kind of worried that it was going to be very formulaic. Um, so i got to give it credit. It was more experimental than I would have yeah. would have ever guessed. I, I, I definitely like that element of it, too. They played a lot with sound, played a lot with transitions. Uh, there was a lot of uh, psych- you know, not psychedelic, but more dreamlike imagery a lot of times. Um, it was jarring at times. It was, I mean, the movie, and I, I, I know we were watching it in the theater, and of course there was some control over sound with it. But, I mean, there were moments where when we heard the ringing or the noise or the voices in his head, it was incredibly loud it was and kind like of pain- jarring. It was painful. And I think that was extremely intentional. Yeah. We want you to hear what this guy was probably hearing on a regular basis. And uh, so for some of those touches, I thought it was really good. And it wasn't one instance of that happening. It was, you know, three or four, yeah, three, four. Yeah. There was only one scene in the film that just really just rang bad to me. I mean, I just didn't like it at all. Okay. And it's, it's towards later in the film, later in the film. And we've got Melinda who, you know, he started, she started a relationship with Brian Wilson. She realizes that Brian Wilson's in a bad situation under this care of this doctor. And she's working desperately hard to try to find out how to get him out of that situation. Okay. And there's a little bit of a quick montage of her, you know, she, she befriends Brian Wilson's uh, maid in the house or housekeeper. Mm -hmm. 
And they're kind of sitting together trying to figure out what are we going to do? How do we need that one piece of evidence to help Brian out. And then all of a sudden they find something and it's like, yes, this is it. You know, and she's on the phone. It was, it just became a little more lifetime movie for mm-hmm. just a few minutes there. Okay. Kind of a, we need the smoking gun and we can save them and we can do this. And it was like, it just didn't fit with the rest of the film. And there, it was just cringeworthy for a few minutes. Hmm. But by the time she played her cards to try to, to try to help the situation, her confrontation or through a door confrontation with Paul Giamatti, who played the Dr. Eugene Landy, the one that was kind of extorting Brian Wilson this whole time was really good. So it got right back on track within a few minutes, but it was like, (laughs) there was like five minutes in there. I'm like, Oh, I really hope this isn't the way they're trying to wrap the story up. Right. But then it, it got to that scene in the dealership and I thought it was really good. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, the the movie's back on track again. I'm, I'm fine. That scene between the two of them was I think that was the best scene between the really? two of them. Oh, between yeah. the two of them, yes. Yeah, the confrontation I scene, I think that was. Yeah. And it did kind of, yeah, I hadn't thought about how it kind of maybe took a dip. in <laughs> Just a little bit. I mean, sure. granted, five minutes of the film I thought were just subpar and just really started to get a little too cliche. But when the rest of the film was being somewhat daring with the way it presented things, so. I wondered, um, some of the, one of the experimental touches that I, was wondering about that happens at the end of the film after Landry is confronted by uh, Melinda Ledbetter. Mm-hmm. She confronts him about Brian Wilson and papers are being served mm-hmm. and you know, the situation might change and Brian Wilson may be okay. They go through this sequence where Brian Wilson is laying in bed, which, mm-hmm. you know, and it shows a variety of different people that are mm-hmm. standing by his bedside. He imagines himself looking at himself, younger mm-hmm. versions of himself in the bed and I couldn't help but think of 2001 A Space Odyssey, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, you know, like not knowing, you know, Brian Wilson, did he have an experience like that? Or had he seen, like, you know, oh, 2001 yeah. A Space Odyssey, that whole point's very psychedelic anyway. Yeah. Did that, like, and you can interpret that meaning all day long. Sure. Even though I saw this movie twice, I wasn't exactly sure, still not sure what exactly all they were trying to, yeah. trying to say. I, I just got it as a... I thought that scene was fine. I thought it could have been handled a little bit better, hmm. but I do feel like it was, um, you know, I, it, to me, it was just a reflection on life and okay. look at who I was as a kid. Look at who I was as a younger, look at what I was able to do when I wasn't under the thumb of somebody and look at who I could have been and look at the forces that kept me down. It was more of a self-reflection. Something had to get him out of that bit out of the bed. Sure. You know, I think is what we were seeing at the end there. Yeah. Um, you could say the ending kind of started, got, got a little tidy wrap up, and it was a nice little kind of light, fun ending in a way. And but I think it worked. I mean, I actually liked the way it ended. I thought it, I thought it cleaned up pretty well. I, I thought, if I'm remembering it correctly, and you'd think I would because I've seen it twice, how basically dialogue ends up trailing away and mm-hmm. the song takes over. Actually, yeah. as soon as they kind of, I think you you really you have the two characters are looking at each other on the middle of the street and. You get the sense that, yes, they're going to be able to get this relationship going again. Right. And right at that moment, wouldn't it be nice, starts playing. And you see them still talking, having a very engaging conversation, but we don't hear a word of it. We just hear the music and it goes on. Right. It, it was nice. It was a nice touch. I do like John Cusack's performance. I thought it was uh, interesting and fun to watch. Paul Dano, I, I think, was good. I do agree. I liked him better when he was creating the music mm-hmm. than just having normal dialogue with somebody. When, when he was having normal dialogue... He he seemed to be playing a little caricaturish to me, a little doughboy, a little kind of 
kind of surprised looks all the time when people would say things. And I don't know. I I don't know Brian Wilson. Maybe he was exactly like that in the sixties, Sure, but it just seemed like he was trying a little too hard in those moments. But the times when he's using bobby pins to pluck, to pluck piano strings Mm -hmm. and uh, controlling the orchestras, that was great. I mean, that was, that's, that was, that was a good performance there. He showed that manic energy focusing in the studio, which was great. Overall, I like the film. I do feel like I kind of came out of it. It was more of a highlights that I wanted to fill in more details. And I did that night. I read up more about the film, read more <laughs> about the history because I need to fill in details. Right. I guess it's not a bad thing when a film does that and causes you to go out and read some more, but it, there were a lot of big gaps in the film that I hate it didn't cover. So, uh, I don't want to say it was, it was definitely not a bad film because it didn't cover everything. It's just, it did definitely leave you wanting more more fleshed out details, more information. Maybe if they'd focus on the sixties and not the eighties or vice versa, they could have gone depth and more in depth. I don't know. It would have been a much longer movie. That's for sure. So I didn't feel like this is a movie that wasted a whole lot of time. So it was pretty efficient with its time. Um, anyway, I liked it. I did like it. Uh, not the strongest recommendation, but I think it was a generally good film that, uh, I am, I'm glad I saw. So overall good vibrations. Yeah. I got good vibrations, not great vibrations. Just good vibrations. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good vibrations. Fair enough. Nice. All right. So that was Love and Mercy. Uh, I think as of now, it's on iTunes and Amazon and other places. So definitely encourage you to check out. It is worth seeing, especially if you are a Beach Boys fan or you just like the style, you like musical biopics. Sure. This is a good one to check out. Okay. So we'll go on to the next one. Uh, the film is called The Guest. This has been out a little bit longer, starring Mr. Dan Stevens of Dalton Abbey fame. The Guest. Mrs. Peterson? Yes. My name is David, Mrs. Peterson. I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're going to be good friends. Afraid I haven't been fully honest with you. I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't been here. Mrs. Peterson, it's no problem. So uh, the action mystery thriller called The Guest. We were looking for another movie to review. Alan said, Chris, have you heard anything about The Guest? I said, no. He said, well, a soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family, claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. After the young man is welcomed into their house, a series of accidental deaths seem to be connected to his presence. Sound good, Chris? I said, Sure. Sounds like you might have read that off IMDb, but okay. Um, No, I just memorize those things. (laughs) So I check out The Guest. Having seen a similar action or mystery thriller, you know, we've we've watched Faults. This is an independent movie. Mm -hmm. We've watched Faults. Um, I have talked about, reviewed It Follows recently. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think I proceed? Guessing how, because you, you know, you kind of Mm -hmm. set me up. How do you think Chris responded to to this movie? I Which am, stars, by the way, we feel like we almost should have reviewed this last show because we have a lot of six degrees separation things going on mm-hmm. here. Um, the main character, Anna Peterson, she's played by Mike, Micah Monroe, who mm-hmm. is the lead actress in that follows. Um, okay. The dad, who's Spencer Peterson in this, he is played by Leland Orser, yes. who was um, the lead psychologist guy in, in, in Faults. Faults. 
also in faults was Lance Reddick in a small part where he played oh, kind of yeah. like an enforcer or whatever. Yeah. Lance Reddick in this plays Major Carver. Oh, wow. There's so, a lot more overlap than Yeah, I so maybe we should have reviewed it with uh, Cop Car last episode. Mm, yeah. So tell me, Alan, how do, you, how do you think I received this movie? What would be your guess? I am always curious how you receive movies, Chris. I'm probably more intrigued by how you re- receive this film than most other films. Because I think I think a lot of this film has to be the kind of mood you go into it with. Sure. I think if you go into it with one viewpoint of what kind of film you expect, you're going to be really pissed off at the end of the film. Hmm. I think if you go in not expecting or counting on anything and willing to kind of shut your brain off for the last third of the film, you can come out having a good time. How did you go into this? I went in with uh, no expectations. Okay. And I think I was in a good frame of mind to watch it anyway. I, it, it, it jived for me. It's ridiculous, but I liked it. Okay. I liked it as I liked it as almost it was almost to me a throwback to the '80s slasher films, mm-hmm. where the, you have the unstoppable force mm-hmm. with just random mayhem. And the, we're talking about uh, Mr. Stevens at this point. Yeah, I, I don't think we even need to dance around the fact that Mr. Stevens is not a good guy. He's not it's, a good it's guest. Very, <laughs> it's, it's very clear in the first ten minutes when we meet him. There's something bad going something on. It's ominous. Him. It is not a. It, he's not there to do good things. There is a, a reveal of exactly what his deal is about two thirds of the way through the film, which is ridiculous. And then you've got this incredible through a haunted house chase action scene that is ridiculous. But I loved Ridiculously it. Ridiculously awesome. No, I'm saying I loved it. It was ridiculous. It is over the top. It is Freddy, Freddy and Jason on one of the like third or fourth sequel movies of just let's put them in the most extreme situation for a chase right. to hunt down some teenagers. I mean, it, by the end of this film, I'm like, wow, that was like a perfect 80s throwback mm-hmm. horror movie. Agreed. So I had a good time with it. It is crazy when I think back to what the reveal of this character was. I'm like, I don't know. Well, yeah, it was have, it's ridiculous. I have, without, I don't want to, not that I think in a way it would really spoil anything, but I'm not going to, I don't want to say what the reveal is. Mm. I will say I think I know why it's done now. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you. So you had a good time with this movie. So, yeah, I will review how I feel okay, about good. it. Yes, I did, I did like this movie, and I think it's, now, I have to say, though, if I'd had this movie talked up for me, mm-hmm. and then I went into it like I went into It Follows, yeah. I would have been annoyed. Because this okay. movie and It Follows are very similar. Yeah. Um, if you like It Follows, I would suggest you see The Guest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like The Guest, if you've already seen this, then and you haven't seen It Follows, I would suggest you see It Follows. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, not only do they share an actress, but they're very similar in that they're homage films yeah. to a genre. Because because you had told me two-thirds thumbs up, last third, meh, not really sure how I feel about it. That kind of said, okay, that put a warning and kind of like lowered up my expectations. This movie is streaming on Netflix. Yes, it is. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm available on iTunes as well. But so, you know, I hadn't gone to a theater and paid a lot of money for it. So it was kind of like, okay, let's see what I'm in for. And I really enjoyed it. Now, the whole time I will say that I was thinking like, what what's the derailing factor? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, yep. And when the reveal happened and the derailing factor, I'm like, okay, I got you. Now, I think this movie is making interesting commentary about maybe PTSD and like, you know, war and like what it could mm-hmm. cause. So now, yeah, you know, because this guy is a veteran. Yeah. 
Okay. And their son who, you know, has passed away, he was a veteran. So this guy has some issues. Mm -hmm. Now what we don't know, we don't know how he was before he entered the military. All we know is, is right now. Right. I think the reason the filmmakers felt they had to do the reveal is because otherwise they would be demonizing too much the military. No, yeah. They wanted this guy to turn into a, a true villain threat. And this is, that was the most best explanation they could give as to why. Right. It wasn't just, he came back from war and he was a little off mentally and decided to go be this really so bad I, character. I can see why they I did get the thing they it's did, just, but it's, it's, it's still that is the one. I'm just saying in the, in the movie, when it gets to that moment and it's before a giant shootout happens at, at the house and the person who comes to basically instigate the shootout and to try to track down our, our main character here. And once he says, the words he says about this is what's up with David at that moment. I think I actually paused the film for a second. I'm like, okay, let me just think about how I want to continue on this now <laughs> because that's now my expectations are much. It's lower. a little ridiculous. Right, right. I'm like, okay, now that I've changed my perspective on this film, I'm going to go watch the rest. And it was really a different film for me that last third. I mean, again, I had a good time with it. You know, it, to me, this was, I'm, I, we should review this. This should be a double feature with cop car. Because think about it. Right. Both of them had a lot of throwback to the 80s energy to well, it. Well, so maybe maybe it's a triple feature. Yeah. It, it follows, follows Cop Car, cop and, car yep. and then this. Because in Cop Car, we had the one primary character mm -hmm. that was a had some secrets. You knew he was a bad guy, but you didn't know all the details yet. Right. He's tracking down somebody or being hunted by somebody. You know, other characters are kind of in his wake. We're really focused on that one main character. Right. It had the throwback to the 80s scenes. It just Even the music at the beginning and opening titles was a little similar. Um, yeah. It had a lot of similarities to it. Sure. And it kind of it was a slow build. And that last 30 minutes was just kind of insane, over the top, a lot of action, a lot of thrills. Very similar. Let me just ask you, though. Do you agree with me that the last line and the last shot was just kind of that's awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had, if you had <laughs> misgivings about the last third. Yeah. Oh yeah. I you think hate it. <laughs> the last shot and the last line of dialogue that should make you be okay with it yeah. because it's, it's, it's so man, it's, I still it's, laugh about that so last, just that last shot. Cause when I, you know, we're not going to spoil it, but when you see what things, is, things are ending, right. But then there's a shot of something. And as soon as you see that shot, you're like, Oh no way. And then sure enough, that's almost exactly what the girl basically says to the camera in a much more colorful language. And it's like cut to black. I'm like, yes, perfect. That's what I wanted to see. That was that that was great. Yeah. The whole ending scene in the haunted house, yes. Cliche is all get out, and it was meant to be. Oh. Let's put them in a haunted house at a school with noises and music and things jumping out. And that's perfect for like a guy hunting down people. Well, and you know, it was just it was fun. And that's something that with it follows the music, the way it was like using throwback music, but then sometimes it would veer away from that. Like it kind of irritated me a little bit. I couldn't let it go. Whereas this movie, I feel like from the very beginning, it was doing throwback music and it continued it throughout the movie and it didn't bother me. Yeah. It kind of keyed me into more of the fact, like kind of the director's winking the whole time yeah. and they're not taking it seriously. Like, yeah. Well, well can we talk about the actors for a second? Um, let's do Dan Stevens. I thought was awesome. I'm sorry. I thought he was really good in this movie. I thought he was incredible. Yeah. He has a very good steely gaze. Mm -hmm. I have never seen him in anything before. Okay. I understand that you have. 
Um, before well, he was, you, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, before you reveal, for because just in case listeners don't know, but before I want to tell you that should Daniel Craig decide to step away from James Bond, I nominate Dan Stevens. Okay, I could see that. Because I, I think he's got the charm, the charisma, but he's got the danger element there. I only know him from Downton Abbey. Wow, okay. He played Matthew Crawley, which, okay. you know, uh, in the first couple seasons, he basically married one of the... Uh, the main characters. Is, he, and, uh, is that a big role in downtown? Or oh, it, it was. He, oh, okay. he was a supporting role in the first season. He became a lead role in the second okay. season. Okay. Um, so he, anybody who watches Downton Abbey, you know, you know, uh, Matthew Crawley. Okay. You know. So that's the only thing I'd ever seen him in. And I thought it was interesting when I heard that he was doing this film and it was kind of this thriller, American thriller. And I, I, I was curious how he was going to be, but yeah, man, he was really good. It's just, it was like Kevin Bacon's performance in cop car where I wanted, I just wanted to focus on the scenes that he was in, you know, <laughs> um, Leland Orser as the father, small part, but I thought he was really good. I just, you know, another yeah. reason to actually like this guy. I will say he was really good in this. I wonder, however, now after having seen him in two things pretty close together, yeah, I'm not saying he's playing the same character. It was similar, but it's kind of similar, but yeah. he does a great job and I think he's really it's good. It's just kind of like hot under the collar, kind of beat down guy, right. kind of mad at the world at times. Yeah. And a little bit of sleaze to him, you yep. know, um, yep. that's, that's kind of his thing from the two films we've seen him in, but um, he's good. He's great. Yeah. So. Um, you mentioned Michael Monroe as, as Anna, what'd young you, daughter. What'd you think of her? She was good. I mean, okay. I, I, she didn't jump out at the screen at me or anything, but I thought she was good. Okay. Um, I thought she played the part well. And same with Brendan Meyer, the son, you know, they were both good for being younger teenage actors. Yeah, the the son kept reminding me of um, the kid from Almost Famous. <laughs> yeah, I think I see that hairstyle mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's but somewhere. yeah, he was, he was so overall, good. I liked all the acting. I thought all the acting worked. Um, there wasn't a bad performance that I can recall that jumped out at me or anything. Uh, but yeah, again, Dan Stevens. I'm with you on the James Bond. He could be good at that. I think he'd. Be I'd love great. to see him take on some sort of really good franchise at some point. You know, of some sort. I think he's 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 the real deal. He was really good in this. Well, let me, you know, usually, of course, here on the show, we talk about lots of, you know, we talk about actors. But one of the things we almost always mention, too, is the director. Yeah. And I'm sure, Alan, you're very familiar with Adam Wingard and his body of work, starting with uh, VHS and VHS 2. And then uh, your you know, your next, I think actually your next, your next and then VHS, yeah, and VHS yeah. 2. Um, no. How do you compare this with the rest of his body? What the rest of his, uh, his, his, his uh, filmography? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, this is the best Adam Wingard film I've seen. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Meaning I haven't seen any of the others. I'm in yeah, the same no, boat. he is a he is a horror director, and obviously that you would not know that the guest going into it, you would not think the guest was directed by a horror movie until you get to the end, and then you're like, oh yeah, it was totally directed by a horror. But director. the fact that he's willing to kind of play with play that with whole it. thing, yeah. I think is cool. Yeah. Does that, so I I really like the film. I was surprised. I would just expected this to be a first time director. I yeah. had no idea. And then when I saw his body of work, I'm like, well, he's a first time director to me. Cause I've never seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, as sad as it is, I don't have any desire to see VHS or VHS yeah. two or your next, just because I don't know, you know, I, I think it was good, but I'd have to hear somebody say like, "Oh, it's not," because you know, I'm just yeah. not interested in horror. In Honestly, general, I, I don't think I don't think we thought it was good because of the direction. 
We thought it was good because Dan Stevens was really good. His performance. Yeah. The the playing with the genre, playing with the style, playing with the tone was fun. I think that's why we enjoyed it. Well, I don't think he, it was necessarily that it was a, a great directed film. Because there are films that we see that we say, you know what, that 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 I want to follow that director because I like the way the film was made. This one, not as much. I want to find a, follow Dan Stevens and find yeah. out what he's going to do next. And... Um, so, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll at least keep an ear open for what this director does next. If he does something outside the horror genre, I'll be curious about it. Right. So who knows? Okay. So that's the guest. We're both surprisingly very high on it. So I was actually <laughs> very curious, Chris. I could have seen you going either way on this because honestly, I saw myself going either way. I still, sure. even after watching that last third, I still had to kind of process it for a night. And like, how did I feel about that? And at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I would actually wouldn't mind seeing that again. I actually like enjoyed that. So that's where I came out very positive after I thought about it some more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the guess. It is on Netflix. So, hey, you got two hours to kill, man. There is no reason not to check this film out. That's right. Um, not one for the kiddies. But, you know, otherwise, good film to check out. And uh, kudos to Mr. Dan Stevens. Very, very interesting and good performance. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're just going to hit a few quick movie news items and wrap up with our recommendations of a film we think you ought to check out. This is Foot Candle Films. We'll be right back. When you need a dose of entertainment chatter or just a good laugh, be sure to check out Chick Chat on The Mesh. It's girls talking about stuff, well, girls want to talk about. Celebrities, gossip, fads, boys. It's kind of the guilty pleasure of the Mesh Network. Here's a little taste of what you can expect. But you know what I always thought was really exciting? Is at the beginning of a new season, when the montage would change and the people were like older or they had something new. Like when you got new Becky on Roseanne. Yes. That's an example. Perfect example. You need to know. You can't just start shows and then new people are on there and you're thinking, what? what I needed about, the montage. What about on 90210? Okay, that 90210, it changed every season. It you know? did. And then they had the beach summer one where like... Where they the worked old, at the country club? Yes. yes. You know, and the, the opening credits had them like wearing bikinis and stuff. And uh-huh. then another one would be like when they're just in that white room and on chairs that swivel around. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... It's all it's even all. Baywatch when they change lifeguards. Absolutely. They had new people running down the beach in red bikinis, but you knew they're a new lifeguard. <laughs> I need to get invested in that. So come have a listen to Chick Chat on the mesh.tv. You know you want to. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the mesh.tv. Chris and I just finished a couple reviews of the film Love and Mercy and of The Guest. Uh, both films, positive reviews for us. Actually, sounds like we enjoyed The Guest actually a little bit more maybe even than Love and Mercy, which is sometimes surprising. It's, sometimes it's all about expectations. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Yeah. And uh, But both good movies. We think you ought to check out both of those. Well, we were both uh, pretty consistent in our, th- our thoughts and viewpoint there. We do move into some movie news, and we just try to hit a few headlines, some things that are of interest or topics to us. I'm going to play the mainstream guy today. Chris, you get to play a little bit of the smaller film guy, if that's okay. Sure. We'll bounce each other off there. Absolutely. Since we had two films that we just reviewed that were both smaller, more independent films, let me go and kick us off and talk about something big. Um, and just for the record, I'm not going to talk about Star Wars. Okay, okay. I have I'm going on public record right now Uh-oh. that as of about two months ago, I stopped watching the trailer. I stopped reading the news about Star Wars. There has been a lot of Star Wars articles coming out, and I have avoided every single one of them. I am bound to determine at this point to go in as fresh as possible. They even released a whole line of toys. 
in the stores last weekend and I have made a very special point to make sure I don't even look at them because I don't want anything to tell me anything more about the characters. You know, I hadn't thought of it from that aspect. I, I haven't been avoiding the trailer. Like they've only, they released a teaser, then they released like the it big It was a one. teaser and then a real trailer. And that's yep. why well, I saw the real trailer like two or three times. I'm like, okay, I'm good. That's all I, I want to see. I'm same way. If it plays in the theater, I won't turn away. Yeah. Um, I had, I, the whole toy thing happened. I saw it all over Twitter. I thought about, oh, cool. But you know what? Now I want to make a conscious effort not to see any of the toys because I remember, maybe it was you, I think, who told me, um, Phantom Menace. They were at a record store and they just saw like the soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack titles, yeah. Okay, it was you. And, and there was you, one about you were Kwai just John's like, oh, I'm just going to kind of look at this. Yeah. And you kind of picked it up. Kwai John's like, funeral. And you're like, oh, well, there you go. So I guess Kwai John died. Spoiler yeah. for anybody who hasn't seen Phantom yeah. Menace. But um, yeah. so, you know, you were like, oh, so I just don't want because that. of that, I'm going to stay away from all that kind of stuff because I don't want. Don't I, look at soundtrack titles. Don't look at toys because a toy may have a character's name on it that tells something about the character. if you know or, the you answer know. to this, don't tell me. Okay, but I know. There is a cloaked figure that was in the long trailer mm-hmm. that they've released. Apparently kind of a mystery as to who we may know this person. We may not know this person. Mm-hmm. I bet if I were to walk down the toy aisle on Walmart, there's probably a toy of this person. Yeah. And I may be able to discern who. The, and I don't I don't want to do that. Sure. I don't want to no, know. I, I don't want anything yep. spoiled. If you so, know, do not write into info at the mesh.tv yes, and tell us. <laughs> so just going on record for the next, I guess it's what? It's uh, early September right now. Yep. The film comes out in mid-December. Mm-hmm. So for the next three to four months... Three months, you're not going to hear anything about Star Wars from Fair me. Enough. Okay. Now, once the movie comes out, we're all over it. We're going to pick <laughs> it apart. We're going to dissect it. We're going to watch it three times. We'll oh, review yeah. it. At least. But it, until early, mid-December, nothing. Okay. Okay. So we're Readers. doing more moratorium. Moratorium. Readers, I need you on board with this. Please help us out on this. Okay. All right. So let me just hit something we can talk about because this is less interesting to me. Zack Snyder, director who uh, he recently did. Superman one, He's, Watchmen. Right now it's Batman versus Superman, colon, gotcha. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> he did Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. He did Sucker Punch. Sucker he Punch. did 300. Oh, yeah. He did Watchmen. Have you seen Sucker Punch? No, I have not. I haven't either, but I don't think we should bother. I'm not, okay. I'm not terribly interested. Okay. I was not the biggest fan of 300. I know a lot of people were. It didn't really grab me too much. Nah. Watchmen, I liked, but only because I liked the Watchmen story and novel. I... The direction did nothing for me either way. Agreed. Um, Man of Steel, I didn't care for. We had our little disagreement on that in a previous episode. I went, so, in, I went in on a very low expectation, yeah. so I thought it was... Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Zack Snyder, so he is now the guy running the DC Comics movie universe. He is the front runner, just like we had Joss Whedon. Nolan, we miss you. I know. Sadly. Well, like we had Joss Whedon for Marvel. Up until recently, he was kind of the Marvel architect for all the stuff going on in Marvel. Zack Snyder is the DC guy. So DC is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, now, Aquaman. Joss Whedon, he will not do another. I think he's, he's done. He is done. I think he did Age of Ultron and said, I'm good for now. I'm done. Okay. Now, whether he gets involved in some other side Marvel projects, we don't know. But I don't think they're looking at him as the architect anymore of this 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 movie universe. Okay. Well, Zack Snyder had an article come out. Obviously, they're hyping up Batman versus Superman. That comes out in March. I think that's right. Yeah, I think we're like seven months I know it's away. not 2015. So yeah, yeah. They, they moved it. It was going to be December, and I think the whole <laughs> like, wait, Star, Star Wars, Wars kind of, <laughs> we're moving, so they moved to March. Right. Um, he's been kind of throwing a little, little some, some shots over at Marvel. He's trying to create a little war between the groups there. Really? You know, basically saying that... Uh, he thinks DC characters are much more mythological superheroes 
And he said it felt like with the Marvel Universe, he just says that they're kind of like the flavor of the week, like Ant-Man, like some of these other ones. Just kind of watered down superheroes, kind of just not really as in-depth and not as mythical characters. Which, okay, I've got some issue with that. Oh, I don't. I think, oh, no, I don't have... I don't have an opinion either way. That's like saying Coke, Pepsi. You know, yeah. There is no wrong. But I think that is awesome. To start a little flame war? Do it. Because all it's going to do is make, hopefully, both sides of the movies better. Which okay. I think they could both use a kick in the pants. So, so well, if he I'm wants still to happy with, smack, have at it. Like, I'm still happy know? with the Marvel Universe. I think Age of Ultron was a step down. But it was one film. I liked Ant-Man. Uh, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think that's I been. I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's the last three Marvel films. So, of the last three Marvel films, I really liked two of them. I loved one of them, Guardians of the Galaxy. I really liked Ant Man. Didn't care as much for Age of Ultron, but one out of three is not bad. So, I'm still really good there. DC Universe, there's one film, and I didn't like it <laughs> The Man of Steel. I don't consider the Dark Knight trilogy as part of this new Marvel DC Universe because they're restarting Batman anyway. It's going to be a whole new Batman thing. Mr. Affleck. Yeah. Affleck. And that's another thing about this article is that supposedly there are rumors that DC executives and Warner Brothers executives have seen the draft or the first cut of the movie. Uh-oh, do we have another Fantastic Four thing happening? Stood up and applauded. Loved it. <laughs> and the only the big note that they sent back to Zack Snyder is to do some editing to put more Batman in it and less Superman. So supposedly the Batman character in this film is working for the big the big shots, the executives. They're really thinking that this is going to be the new franchise, the big bankable franchise for Batman using Mr. Affleck as the face. I've let my feelings be known about Mr. Ben Affleck as an actor. I'm not a fan. So, but maybe for him to have a blank vacant stare and scowl at everything, maybe Batman well, is the wrong for him to play. And stuff, so, yeah. you know. I, my hopes are not high for this film still. I will go in with very low expectations. I'm going to go ahead and put that on the record. So it could, I could come out very happy. I, I really, you know, my favorite, I've gone on record. My favorite character is Batman. Mm-hmm. My favorite combo character is Batman. And I really liked the Nolan stuff. I liked the Tim Burton stuff when it came out. So I have, since I've seen the trailer, I'm very nervous. I'm going in with really low expectations yeah. as well. But I do like the fact that Zack Snyder is talking smack because maybe that'll get some competition going. Maybe, maybe it'll will. be good. Maybe it'll get a little, a little more feisty energy between the groups. Marvel actually just went through a big reorganization uh, at the executive level. I don't want to get too detailed because I want to be conscious of time here. But there's the, there's the guy, and I forget his last name, but his first name's Ike, and he's got a longer, a strange name. He is the head of Marvel Entertainment. Marvel Entertainment had Kevin Feige underneath him, who was the head of the cinematic universe, the movie field. Okay. Then he had the guy over the comics, then he had the guy over TV shows. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin Feige, who's over the Marvel Universe uh, movies, supposedly with Age of Ultron, got extremely frustrated because everything he was trying to route through would get roadblocked by this guy. Okay. And uh, supposedly this guy was having a lot of other comic creators give a lot of input to the films, and it was slowing down the process, and it was really just very tedious to work with. Hmm. Kevin Feig has supposedly been the guy who's really been responsible for the successful Marvel films that they've had the last few years. So now he has basically appealed to the big Disney boss, I think Bob Iger. Mm Mm-hmm. And they've restructured to where now Kevin Feige over the Marvel Cinematic Universe is reporting directly to the head Disney honcho and bypassing everybody else. Interesting. That is as of now. So okay. going forward, 
Will that mean the films will be a little more free and ex- able to be a little more creative because they're not bound by these comic book industry conventions, which is what right. Kevin seems to indicate it was. Hmm. Or will and that may have been the reason. I think actually, I think the rumor is that's one of the main reasons that uh, Edgar Wright left Ant Man really? was because of all those constraints and having okay. to deal with all those creators. So maybe will filmmakers have a little more freedom to do something with this change? I don't know. We'll see. Hmm. Um, all right, what you got? I, I did the mainstream stuff. You got anything smaller for us? Well, um, smaller, but if you would have asked probably back in, oh, let's see, I don't know, 1996 or 98, hmm. this would actually be big news. Okay. Um, but here we are almost 10 years removed, and it's maybe not as – or 20 years removed. Right. Yeah. Maybe not as big, but maybe it should be. Okay. Maybe it will be. Oh, you've, you've built up my anticipation. Alan – are you going to go see just open today? I believe in wide release. Anyway, are you going to go see the visit? Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. So um, <laughs> yeah, I may go see the visit. <laughs> no, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this people, is, uh, yeah, this movie is by M night Shyamalan. Yeah. And you're thinking, wait, that's the guy who did after earth and the last airbender, the happening, oh, the happening. lady in the Ugh. water. Okay. That's true. Yeah. But you know, I'm bad with dates, but way back when he also did the sixth sense, I think you were right about 97 or so. And he also did unbreakable, which I love. I love he both did, those two. He films. did signs. He it's did okay. the village, Yeah. but you know, pretty much. I wonder if most of Hollywood, and most of humanity, has, has, <laughs> most of the human race, yes, yeah. has written off Mr. Shyamalan. Yes, they have. Uh, this new film that's come out, uh, the description, plot description, a single mother finds that things in her family's life go very wrong after her two young children visit their grandparents for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the, the name or title of the movie is The Visit. Unknown, to my knowledge, there again, I didn't know, I don't know people from uh, Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. but to my knowledge... It's an unknown cast. So it is, yes. using an unknown cast, probably a smaller budget, he makes it now. What's interesting too, so it's like kind of like a horror film, but it also has some comedy yes, in it. That's what I understand. So, you know, and supposedly maybe a little kind of referential comedy, kind of poking fun at maybe even Mr. Shyamalan himself. Hmm. Um, who is in, on the past gone on record as being after Lady in the Water and stuff like that, kind of being maybe a little cocky and I can do mm-hmm. anything. Type. So I have to say I am highly intrigued. You do know it's a found footage film. I had not known that part. That worries me just a little bit. Yeah, see, that, that's the thing that has me reserved. Okay. In that I'm not a big fan of found footage films. I just, I think they've been overdone and I think it, it, it's hard for me to watch a found footage film and believe that some numbskull is actually videotaping and filming everything that we're seeing. <laughs> right. That's my whole problem, especially when it's a horror film or a thriller. I refuse to believe that when you're running down hallways or scared out of your mind that you keep a freaking camera rolling. So knowing that this is a scary slash comedy, but it's found footage film by two young kids. I'm like, Oh, I want to go see it out of curiosity, but uh, my, my expectations are kind of low. Well, Here's the other thing. According to statements that were made on Twitter, Mr. Shyamalan said that he had prepared three different cuts. One was pure comedy. One was pure horror. And the one that, you know, has ultimately Mm. made it was one that fell somewhere between. Okay. So I think that's interesting that supposedly this was the approach that he uh, was going to take. Um, And I will say, for those of you, you like found footage movies, Bud had kind of been there, 
done that, mm. seen it. Whereas I think most people feel the same way. Most yeah, the sure. public feel so. that way. I will say there's a movie playing on Netflix called Creep mm. that actually has um, Mark Duplass in it. Right. Okay. Um, pretty good. Yeah. Is, is this and a found a, footage film? It's a found footage movie. Mm. Um, well, so if um, you think all of them, you've seen it all. Yeah. Now it's very understated, all this kind of stuff. But yeah. it's a typical Duplass movie. But pretty good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad Shyamalan is doing a very small, low budget film with no big names because I do think After Earth was a bad movie. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was made worse by the fact that it had such this big, high profile Will oh, Smith in it and man. his son. If you had had two no-name actors, it still would have been a bad movie, but it wouldn't have been quite as eye-rolling as I think it was. Right, because you said, well, maybe these guys don't know what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. So knowing that this is a lot of unknowns, small budget, interesting genres. And I did read. I haven't read a review. I think it's gotten semi-decent reviews. Yeah, the reviews have been okay. And uh, I did read just in one passing that there is a twist. Oh, so the okay. Shyamalan twist. <laughs> Shyamalan twist. <laughs> That's a new dance everybody's doing. <laughs> um, you know, which he really hasn't pulled a twist in a few films. Okay. Um, After Earth didn't really have a twist. You know, there was no twist to it. How bad a Will Smith movie could be. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the twist. <laughs> and the answer was really bad. <laughs> really bad. Um, Lady in the Water kind of had a weird twist, but I think it was forced. It just didn't feel right. Um, the Village was a twist I I could we saw, I called. We actually called when we watched the first trailer. trailer I called it yeah, right away. Did, yeah, we both did. That. We both said, yep, yep that's what's going to happen. So, you know, I think the whole Shyamalan has to have a twist is kind of overplayed, but I'm okay if in a small, un, unpresuming, unassuming movie like this that they do pull something. That's cool. So, yeah, I may go out and see it. It's a PG-13 horror movie, which I'm always kind of weird about those two. So, yeah, kind know. of interesting. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know, if you're going to get me, well, with the exception of like It Follows, but I, that makes me even more interested in it. Yeah, because it's PG-13, not going to be just overly like, blood and guts. We're not all, just talking you know, about gore. We're yeah, not just talking. It's, it's more, more of like the idea behind it. And yeah. I'm like, okay. And I like the concept. Two kids go to visit their grandparents that they've never met before. And it's and, kind of creepy. <laughs> and they're not they're told don't come out of your room at night after nine thirty and all that and just weird things with their grandparents are going on. That's that's a good creepy concept. Absolutely a good creepy Sounds concept. Sounds good to me. All right. Let me I'm gonna take really quick with this because I don't have a whole lot just other than seeing this headline yesterday and now I'm all excited. Okay. You know me. I really did like the newest Godzilla movie. Yes. You didn't care for as much. But I really liked it. The Gareth Edwards one, right? I really liked it. I also was a big fan of the Peter Jackson King Kong movie. I was not. Okay, I was. (laughs) Going on record, uh, I like big creature movies. You were also a big fan of Pacific Rim. I was. I love it. (laughs) Well, so. Make things big. (laughs) Make things big. So, supposedly, Legendary Pictures. Is the Garfield the Cat movie? It's really big. Legendary Pictures, who owns Godzilla. Okay. And Warner Brothers. Um, who has King Kong got, they're working on the Godzilla second Godzilla movie with, with the Gareth Edwards franchise. Okay. But he's not, is he directing? It? I don't know if he is or not. I haven't read that, but supposedly it's going to be Godzilla and it's going to be more of the classic monsters, the Mothra, the, all this he fights against. Okay. King Kong is going to be seen next in a movie called Kong Skull Island. That's already landed some good actor. I think Tom Hiddleston is in it. Really? Um, it's like lining. I think Michael Keaton may even be in it. What? I think so. He was a, he was attached to it at one point. J.K. Simmons, hmm. and it's going to be directed by somebody pretty decent. I don't remember who it is though. Um, okay, so supposedly uh, Warner Brothers and Legendary had the parting of ways a while back. Now they're starting to kiss and make up, <laughs> and the plan is that after each of those two films, there will be a. King Kong versus Godzilla movie. I am, I am, 
pleased that you are excited. There is a smile. It makes, it makes me happy face. to see you happy. Here, but I am not. Here's <laughs> I'm not problem. the least bit interested. Here's in my like logistical problem, and this is the problem I've always had, even back in the '70s when they did the Godzilla versus King Kong, really campy, cheesy movie. Okay, Godzilla's freaking huge. Is King Kong a lot smaller? King or? Kong can hold Fei Ray in his hand. In his hand. So yeah, he's a lot smaller. Scale doesn't work. Does the it? scale doesn't work. Okay. Now here's what I'm thinking. Did the scale work in the old movies, or they just ignored? They that? just ignored it. They oh, just okay. make King Kong as big as Godzilla. It's <laughs> okay. two men in a big rubber suits, just fighting. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. right. But realistically, if we're now in a, a age where we try to make our creatures more realistic looking, right. you can't have a giant as tall as a tall building. Godzilla, and you basically have like a four-story tall King Kong. Now, have they said whether it's a versus movie? Or are they working they together said, like, like in Rampage, said. where they just go? They to like, you know, the, the writers haven't quite gotten their okay. story together yet. But huh. think about it. I mean, King Kong climbed the Empire State Building, and he's at the top, and he's a tiny at the top of the Empire State Building. Right. King Godzilla was knocking over skyscrapers and fighting. Right. There's a huge discrepancy. So what are they going to do in, in this new Kong Skull Island movie? Are they going to make King Kong freaking huge? Hmm. I don't know. Do you know? So we don't know if it's a reboot of. I'm know. sure it's it's not a continuation of the Peter Jackson. Okay. This is a fresh start with this Skull Island. Supposedly it's the origin of Skull Island and how King Kong came to be there. Okay. Then Godzilla is continuing the Gareth Edwards one from just a couple years okay, ago. Okay. So that okay. That will be that Godzilla. This will be a new King Kong. Unfortunately, Alan, I think they're going to make King Kong huge. And I'm okay with that. I just want there to be logic behind it. Well, if you're going to give me a like huge, you're just rebooting it. If so you want a huge reboot. King Kong, give me a huge King Kong. That's fine. <laughs> just don't give me a small King Kong in one movie, and then all of a sudden he's fighting Godzilla in the next movie, and they're the same you. size. Gotcha. There's got to be some logic there. Just give okay. me logic. In my giant lizard fighting a giant ape movie, I need there to be logic. <laughs> That's all I want. Understand. Okay. All right. Sorry, I probably spent more time on that than I should. It's very early breaking news <laughs> coming across my news feed. I just had to get it out there. Do you have, do you have one more news I, item? Yeah, this is really quick. And I guess could technically it'll segue nice into the next section because it's kind of a recommendation, even mm. though I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, premiering on Netflix September 18th, mm-hmm. which will be soon after this episode posts, or maybe you'll get the word yeah. and you'll be able to go ahead and look for it. Um, September 18th, Keith Richards, Under the Influence, documentary about Mr. Richards, uh, who apparently inspired Johnny Depp to do the Pirates of the Caribbean (laughs) franchise. But also, most importantly, he's a musician. He's the guitarist guy from the Rolling Stones. I know that you tend to like, you've mentioned, you've referenced uh, Miss Simone. Yep. What happened to Miss Simone? And then also the... uh, The other one. uh, The other one, the Bob Weir documentary. Mm -hmm. So Alan likes to watch music documentaries. He, you know, the Brian wasn't... So... It's coming uh, to Netflix, and I'll say that I'd probably watch it anyway, but what makes me even more curious is it's the producer is Morgan Neville, who did 20 Feet from Stardom. Oh, yeah. That, that was, won good. The Oscar, that was so. a good one, too. And that movie, when I just heard it, it's like, oh, it's like backup singers. I was like, oh, okay, maybe that'll be interesting. It's it won good. the Oscar. I checked it out. I liked it. Yeah, it was so, good. So I'm... Um, you know, I think Keith Richards obviously has kind of led an interesting life. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm interested to see kind of what he has to say. And then I think Morgan Neville definitely capable of sculpting it. Oh, so. absolutely. No, I, if Netflix is doing a musician biography or documentary or documentary film, I'm sold. You're there. Count me in. Okay. Um, they have been a perfect record with the ones I've seen that they've made so far. So mm-hmm. I say, keep them coming. I'll watch a mo- music documentary anyway. Sure. And especially when you got a character such as Keith Richards, because even though I know obviously his music, I know the Rolling Stones, 
it's true. I don't really know him right. other than the persona we see on stage. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm curious. I kind of the same way I felt about Bob Weir. I knew who the guy was. I knew his voice. I knew the songs he sung. I couldn't really tell you anything about the guy behind the scenes. I'm really hoping from the trailer. I, I saw a trailer for the documentary and I'm really hoping kind of like um, the other one, Bob Weir, it was kind of like, hey, yeah, I'm basically giving you a documentary, but I'm kind of narrating you, telling you my life. Yeah. I'm being really kind of honest, too. I'm not trying to hide things. Yeah. It's just kind of like, yep, okay. here it is. You know, I'm hoping that this one kind of follows that same kind of yeah, bare bones, be nice. honest approach. We'll see. Good. Well, before we go to our recommendations, uh, just really quick, uh, I don't know if you've been following the news or not, but you know, Jobs, the Steve Jobs movie. Not Jobs. That's the Ashton Kutcher version. This is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. The Danny Boyle directed, Aaron Sorkin written, Michael Fassbender starring. Yes. Steve Jobs movie. Has been premiering at film festivals. Happy to say. Critics are digging it. Okay. I had not, I was not aware. Was it at Toronto or? Yeah, Telluride. Telluride. Okay. Yeah. Supposedly the reviews have been very, very good. Fassbender is getting Oscar buzz for performance. So I was already over the moon excited. Uh, I needed to hear that there were some positive reviews. I'm hearing positive reviews. I'm good. Done. Good. Sold. It is going to be a wide release movie. It's not a limited release movie. So it'll be a, probably be coming to a lot of places. October, Early October. October. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. I do think, uh, I actually think you and I should go see it together. Okay. So we'd make a plan for that. So Sounds like a plan. That's my, definitely my most anticipated film this year, all the way around. Okay. Recommendations. What is something online that, uh, or that you can access through some internet-connected device that we think people ought to check out? Uh, who wants, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. I believe this is you know, for that route. It is available through Amazon, I think, iTunes. Okay. But um, still Alice. Oh, the, uh, right, the one that was nominated for Best Actress for, uh, for Julia, Julia Moore. Moore and mm-hmm. she won. Uh, she's a linguistics professor, and it talks about – how she's dealing with early onset um, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Right. Very good, obviously. Kind of tough to watch. Sure, um, I can she, imagine. You watch some movies after the Oscars buzzes die down, you're kind of like, oh, well, yeah, they were good, but I don't see how they beat out so-and-so. Okay, I don't even remember at this point because it's been a while who she was up against. Yep. She totally deserved it. I don't really? care. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. I always like hearing that, you know, if I hadn't seen the film, knowing that an act, a, a performance, a recognized performance was warranted the i thought it was very warranted i thought it was a really good performance and you know what i liked about this movie too is that it didn't play it you know alzheimer's disease obviously it's very sad and Mm. um but it played it as it kind of to me it was almost like it was a horror movie because look at how awful this is and the anguish and the turmoil but it didn't really play it for sympathy at the same time. It just played it kind of like it was kind of like a horror movie without mm-hmm. blood and guts. It's kind of strange how they did that. Um, thought it was a really good movie. The other thing that I have to say, because I never would have thought that I would have thought this person was a good actress, Kristen Stewart. She oh, plays yeah. a daughter, in it, yep. and she's also in Clouds of Sils Maria, which I've also seen. Um, so she's totally been able to wipe out my whole mindset of her being the actress from Twilight. <laughs> so, good, good. Um, yeah, good for her. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Definitely worth checking out for Julianne Moore's performance as well as uh, Kristen Stewart. Okay. That's good. I, I, that's one I've been meaning to catch up on and I just hadn't. I, I just wasn't sure if it was just a pure Oscar bait movie just to play up one performance. And it got nominated for that even though the movie maybe wasn't that good. But you're saying the movie was good. Uh, yes. Okay. Like awesome. Good. Mine is a uh, – boy, I don't know the – I'm so bad with countries and where things are from. Hmm. Um, and maybe you know. Uh, the film's White God. 
Huh. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so let me kind of break it down for you. This is a young girl has a dog, uh, goes to live with her father because her mother is traveling for a while. Their mother and father are separated. She goes to live with the father. They're in an area where you're not allowed to have dogs that are not unregistered. It costs a lot of money to register a dog. The father is all ticked off because he doesn't want the dog there anyway. So basically he ends up kicking the dog out of the house and the girl loses the dog. Then <laughs> said dog takes a very twisted version of the incredible journey, which is where the three animals were just traveling all over and okay. uh, meets up with other dogs that are also out and about and lost. And they rise up and stage a rebellion. They take back over this town, chasing everybody inside. It becomes a little bit of a horror film for a little while because the dogs become vicious. They're basically the oppressed rising up against their repressors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very interesting movie. I did like it. Okay. Um, I kind of knew what I was getting in for. I did not expect it to be, I will give fair warning, I did not expect it to be violent as much as it was in the latter half of the film. I know that you don't like gore and specifically violence toward, like, body violence, like, you know, violence towards, like, bodies or, like, animal violence, like, that kind of, I'll say, I'm glad you brought this movie up. We could have done it for a review on a future show. I'm about maybe halfway through it. Oh, okay. Well, I will not say too many more no, details no, no, no. about it. But you what you I'm know curi- the gist of it. What I'm curious, though. Yeah, I know the gist of it. What I'm curious about, though, um, obviously you're recommending it, so you like it. I am. But I am um, pacing and the length of the movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like maybe a, a weak point. But uh, I don't know. No, that didn't bother me. No? I thought okay. it was another slow build film, and it got to a point where that last third is... Definitely ramped up more. Okay. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the violence is you see aftermath of mm. things, which is not as bad. There's only one shot that's a little jarring and shocking, <laughs> but it was a, uh, um, it, it's good in that it's unique. I mean, I will give it that. And I did. You kind of have to have a little bit of suspension of disbelief that all these animals, these dogs, can kind of go along the same path and decide sure. altogether they're going to do the same thing. But somehow the right. film pulled it off to where it made it about as believable as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things being said about people in society that are discarded, that are left out, and not given any means to get back in. Mm. And the frustration that builds up over time. I mean, these, these dogs are horribly treated. So you could argue, well, their actions are warranted. I, you could also argue that they go overboard with the actions. I think there's a little bit of comment on getting away with power as well, too. So it's, it was a, is an interesting film. I'll be anxious to hear when you, when you finish it. Okay. Um, I did like it. Okay. Um, it was just a little more jarring than I expected. I didn't know what I was expecting quite honestly going in. Um, I thought the young girl playing the, the lead character is very good. Um, did you, would you see it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good. And again, I, I wish I could tell you the name of the director and all that, but they're, I'm horrible, and I, I, I really don't want to butcher people's names. Sure. But um, it's um, it's a good movie. Okay, just interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, looking forward to finishing it, and we'll have to discuss. Probably it would there. not have been a fit for our film society. No. Uh, just like I'm also glad that we did not. Uh, I, I'm thinking uh, uh, Clouds of Sils Maria. You're saying that maybe that wouldn't have been the best fit either? Now, after having seen it, I think we probably could have shown it. You think so? Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, White God is on Netflix, so it's another one. If you've got Netflix, it's an easy one to check out. And uh, I think it's worth checking out if you're into foreign films and you want to see something a little different and you don't mind some intense scenes later in the film. 
Uh, and I'm a dog lover, so, you know, some of it was tough. Brenda's not watching this. Your wife, is she? No, she's okay. not. Yeah, probably a good move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she is a big animal lover and yes. cares for animals as a profession. So, uh, yeah, this is a tough one to watch if you're really a big animal lover because it is fairly uh, fairly. There's, some, there's tough. some scenes of dog fighting that are pretty There's tough. dog fighting. There's dog abuse. And at yeah. the end, there's dog kind of getting out of control. So, yeah, not good for dog lovers. All right. So with that, that was White God. And then Chris was recommending Still Alice, two films we think you all check out that are both available online. We had our reviews of Love and Mercy. We had our review of The Guest, both of them getting positive marks for us. The Guest actually, surprisingly, really strong positive marks. (laughs) News about Marvel versus DC. No more Star Wars talk until mid-late December. Official moratorium. Official moratorium. We've got uh, the fact that uh, M. Night Shyamalan has a new movie out as of this time of this recording that we're curious to see how that goes. King Kong, Godzilla will meet up at some point in the future, and Alan is (laughs) extremely excited. Uh, And then we also had – there was one more news item that we covered. I was just, you know, word word out there for uh, Keith Richards. Oh, the Keith Richards documentary. documentary. That's right. Yeah, so one that we'll definitely be keeping an eye on Netflix on. Whenever it comes out there right now, I mean, if I'm looking for a new interesting movie to check out, I basically go to the Netflix new releases and just start scrolling. Cause that's, yeah, they've got it going on right there. They're doing some good, good stuff. All right. So that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Again, you can always check us out. Chris, people want to reach out to us, connect with us. What's a couple ways they could do it. You can always drop us a line at info at the mesh.tv to send us an email, tell us something you like about the show or a movie you want us to review. You can also go to our website, uh, footcandle.org, which will just give you general information about our film society, which helps run, which is where we you know, get the whole thing for doing movies to begin with, where we got the idea. There's also Foot Candle Film Festival, which All we right. are putting our film festival from Tell September. me about this festival. I don't know anything about <laughs> Tell it, Tell me Chris. about it. We are actually putting on our first film festival here in Hickory, North Carolina, from September 25th to the 27th. Uh, tickets are available online. We've got previews. We've got descriptions of the movies. We have filmmakers from some of the films coming in from out of town to speak after the films, and should be a lot of fun. We have an opening night celebration that we're going to show blocks of short films with a reception, and then we have a closing night award ceremony and dinner afterwards. So all tickets are online. Check it out. Um, we'd That's love to have you here. Footcandlefilmfestival.com. You can go to and get all the links or just go to footcandle.org and follow the, the, the path to the festival from there. It's going to be a fun time. So please uh, feel free to come join us. Let us know if you're a listener of the podcast and you want to come out and hang out with us. We'd be happy to meet you. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Should be. Should be really good. Really excited about the awards we're going to be giving out. Yeah. We're going to keep that under wraps for a little bit longer, but it's going to be, going to be really interesting. Very cool and unique. All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show today. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.